Welcome to Taxpayer Alert. I'm Al Sagawa. I'll be your moderator. I'm also uh, involved with the taxpayers and I'm president of the Calaveras County Taxpayer Association. And we're most interested in, in what's happening with local government and industry to, so we can uh, uh, be able to be better voters and be more aware of what's going on. While this program is no exception, we have uh, as our guest uh, Mike Albright, who is a, a registered professional forester. He's kind of the industry leader in uh, Calaveras and Tuolumne County and knows just about everybody and everything. So we're very fortunate. We're going to cover a lot of interesting uh, uh, information. Uh, Mike, welcome to the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you, Al, for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I hope I can, uh, I, I hope I can live up to that introduction, knowing something about everything. But we'll see. <laughs> um, I'll start by saying that uh, I'm a native Californian. <clears throat> Grew up in California in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Um, went to Pescadero High School, and uh, my dad ran a, a YMCA camp there, the San Francisco YMCA camp. YMCA camp, which is about a thousand acre camp in the Redwoods, so that's how I got interested in forestry and, and, and into logging eventually. After I got out of high school there, I went to Doan College in uh, Crete, Nebraska, and got a bachelor's degree in, in uh, natural science, and then went on to Duke University and got a master's of forestry uh, in 1977. I've uh, been in the industry about 45 years. I've had a blessed career. I really feel lucky uh, to have been doing what I've been involved in with, with timber in California. I uh, was privileged to work for a, a company called Ultra Power after I got out of school and helped uh, develop six wood-fired biomass plants in California. Those were uh, plants that burned wood to make electrical energy. After that, I uh, got into the logging business. I started working with Joe Martin Logging and Trucking and then spun off and we started our own company called Sierra Resource Management. Did all that for about 35 years and uh, had some great people working for us. Uh, we specialize in forest thinning, uh, trying to clear out the forest to prevent forest fires and make some wood products. And uh, after that, I, I did some work for the Tuolumne County too for the tree mortality program. We spent about five years as the tree mortality uh, project coordinator getting all the bark beetle trees cleaned up and I, you're well aware of that around here and, and uh, worked on that. Um, I am a registered professional forester and a licensed timber operator and I uh, recently completed uh, two years as president of the Associated California Loggers which is a group around California with about 450 logging families and a great group of people and I was honored to be their president and now I'm uh, serving as second vice president of the, of the uh, American Loggers Council so staying very involved in, in logging and, and forestry and politics and the things that go on and uh, as I say, I've had a very great career, and I'm most blessed to have a wife. Uh, my, my wife is Vicki, who's been by my side the whole time, really. Most good things that I do, it's because she's pushing me right along. <laughs> so i uh, really, really glad to have had her along with me. And that's, I, I think that's about it, unless yeah. you want to know more. <laughs> well, uh, I think there's an organization called Two Care. Yeah. And I think you're uh, active with that as well. Yeah, I've been president of Tooth Care a couple times. That stands for Tuolumne County Alliance for Resources and Environment. That group, uh, fantastic group. We've, we've been pushing uh, resource issues in Tuolumne County and Calaveras County for uh, 
over 30 years and um, just good local people trying to do the right thing for uh, not only our forests but our water resources, our power resources, uh, cattle and uh, agriculture in general and, and a great group of people. Yeah, I think I remember a lady named Ginger Armstrong oh, yeah. who had a block of wood and when she spoke she she showed that block of wood and we understood what, what it was all about. Yeah. It, it's called a prop. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, okay, Mike, uh, one of the things that we're concerned about in, in this fire season, um, what has what uh, led us up to the crisis that we have and how can we get out of it? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question to lead off with, this whole fire crisis, and I'm, I'm glad you started with that. And Really, there's, there's three main things, in my opinion, that, that affect and, and have affected and are, are affecting where we are with fire. And, and number one is drought. We're in a severe drought. Number two is we have way too much vegetation on the landscape. And number three, the industry that deals with the vegetation, the timber industry, has been just decimated in California over the last 40 years. So drought, too much vegetation, and then not a real good way to deal with it anymore. And I'll, 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 I'll parse those each down just a little bit. So drought, I think everybody understands drought. We usually, t you know, we talk about it in California, we talk about, oh, this is the driest year we've ever had, or the, boy, the la in the fact, the last two years are the two driest years we've had on record since the mid-1800s. So really is a drought. But California is noted for droughts and we, we've had long long-term droughts over uh, the last thousand years some droughts that have lasted 150 years each and so we think of drought short-term periods but really we're, we're we're a drought driven area we did we just uh, in fact uh, there are a lot of scientists that thinks since the year 2000 to where we are right now we may be in another mega drought where it, it could last a long long time so Drought something we got to deal with. Um, of course, has a, a huge effect on fire. Um, when we're in a drought, vegetation doesn't have as much moisture in it; dries out quickly. And I think I think most people know, but when when a fire hits vegetation, the first thing it has to do is drive off the water before it'll start to burn. Because what burns is gas. It, it drives off the water. A fire drives off the water, then gas starts to get given off, and then that's what ignites. So in a drought, it's a lot easier to drive the water off because there's not much in the, in the vegetation. So drought is a big deal. The vegetation itself, uh, foresters, historians, tribal leaders, scientists, I've been in this decades, they all come up with the same thing. We have way too much vegetation on the landscape. It doesn't matter really what kind of leader you talk to, that's what they come up with. And it's interesting, Al, like most people would be interested, I think a, a medium-sized pine tree takes a hundred gallons a day of water out of the out of the soil every day it, it transpires that out a larger pine tree takes 150 gallons of water out every day um, brush fields if you clear an acre of brush one acre of brush you get 35,000 gallons more water each year off that cleared area so all this vegetation is adding to the and exacerbates the water problem so too much vegetation um, combined with drought, and, and, and uh, I, I gotta, I'm going to read something real, real quick that 
a, a, a forester, an ecologist came up with it. It's a study that just came out and it says this study's published and it says that we need to reduce our timber by 50 to 80 percent on our forests. It, so we need to space things out dramatically differently than we've got right now. And, it, and this is a brand new study and, it, and it's going to really set, I think, forestry on its ear a little bit because the Forest Service doesn't, they don't do that. We don't thin it that much. So drought, too much vegetation, and then a timber industry that since 1980 has lost 150 sawmills in the state. Uh, lost, lost our biomass plants. We don't have near as many loggers. We've lost 50% of our trucking capacity. So our ability to manage the forest and do something with the product has also been decimated. So those things all add up to uh, terrible fire seasons. Drought, too much vegetation, and not enough markets to do anything with it. So that, uh, that's basically where we're at. How do we get out of that? I think that maybe that was one of the things you asked too, is what, what, how do we get out of that? Uh, first thing we got to do is the markets we have, we've got to protect them. The sawmills we have left, we've got to keep those going. And we also need to encourage new, new markets to come in. And some are coming in now, they're very interesting. Um, there's some, uh, a, a big, pellet plant proposed in Tuolumne County, huge, that would thin thousands of acres. It's being proposed to, in fact, they purchased the land to put in this pellet plant. There's also a plant uh, being proposed that would make hydrogen gas for cars, for fuel, uh, out of wood. That's a, that's a neat thing. So new markets coming in um, are something we really need to encourage. Uh, one of the, another question that we have is uh, how much timber is there statewide and needs to be salvaged and logged? And <clears throat> we have quite a bit. And will that affect the private landowners that are trying to manage their forest properties? Yeah, that, that's a really important thing for people to understand, particularly if they have timber land. Anybody listening? We've had two major uh, detrimental effects on our forest over the last couple, over say the last decade. In the early part of this decade, the bark beetle hit. I think everybody remembers that. We had tremendous losses from the bark beetle. In Tuolumne County, uh, as I remember, in 2012, we had about 45,000 dead trees standing in Tuolumne County. By 2016, that had grown to 8 million. In the state, it grew to 150 million dead trees. So that represented about 10 billion board feet of lost timber just from the bark beetle. Add to that the fires that we just had in the last two years in California which have burned over six million acres, that added another 15 billion board feet. I know these are big numbers but on top of that that we need to salvage. So that's 25 billion board feet of dead timber from bark beetles and fires just recently. Our timber industry uses about 1.7 billion board feet a year so that represents like 15 or I think that's actually 17 years of, of what our whole state industry could use just from that, those events right there. So the private landowners stuck. There's nowhere to sell timber right now. The, the timber markets are flooded with bug-killed trees and fire-killed trees, and it's going to stay that way for a while. It's, it's really a shame, but that's what, it, that's, that's what we're dealing with. What's happening to the foreign markets? Um, 
That's an that's a good question. <laughs> it really it raises it raises a couple things. First of all, California, with all the forests we have, we're, we're one third forested, and we've been burning up all these forests, and the bark beetles been getting them. We import seventy five percent of our wood products into California right now, from other states and other countries. America, as a whole, we have eight hundred million acres of forest in America. So our country is one third forested. It's a wonderful, and we import seven billion board feet. We're the second leading importer of lumber in the world. So we're depending on some of these foreign markets for our timber, which is absolutely ridiculous. We should be exporting timber to other countries. Um, What's the comparison between the cost of, uh, of logging uh, and the price you pay for foreign timber? In other words, is it cheaper to buy the foreign timber than to produce it ourselves? Well, that's a <laughs> that's a complicated. Uh, we basically yes, in some cases we can get foreign timber cheaper, and a lot of it has to do with labor costs. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to call it slave labor, but you know they they don't pay and they don't pay their workers near what we do. They don't have unions. Um, and so the, the government in some cases, and Canada in some cases, subsidized the timber industry. So we're not necessarily on an even playing field with foreign markets. But in my opinion, that doesn't matter. We should, we should, we should make it a goal to be self-sufficient with timber products in California and in our nation. And then export to countries that don't have timber products. And there's a lot of countries out there that have decimated their forests. Uh, it's interesting, half the wood in the world, Al, is used for cooking and heating. And oh. these are, these are, these are wow. countries like Ethiopia and Cambodia that have stripped their forests. You can look in National Geographic and see people carrying lumber sticks on their back for miles to take it back to their huts to cook. We should be exporting timber to these kind of places and, and helping those folks. Um. One of the problems we have, well, I guess my major problem we have is uh, wildfires, um, and there, a lot of it, well, some of it's related to PG&E power lines, right. where the trees uh, will fall and hit the power lines. It, to me, it seems to be a no-brainer that hmm. those trees need to be removed, and maybe they might have some value for timber industry. Yeah, that... I wondered if you were going to ask a little bit about PG&E. I, I, I did a little research on them because it's kind of uh, there's a lot of opinion about PG&E. First of all, they, they were they were formed in 1905, uh, so a lot of folks don't know how old PG&E is. They they have 48,000 miles of underground uh, pipeline for gas. They have 100,000 miles of transmission lines around. The, the California, they're one of the largest companies, uh, energy companies in the world. And they got a real problem because they're, they're an old company and they have not spent the money they need to on fixing their infrastructure and they admit that. So they're, they're playing catch up in a hurry trying to fix things. They're gonna, I don't wanna ramble on, but they, they've, got a, they've got some real problems with their, their power line and power pole infrastructure. They're putting in, taking out wooden poles, putting in steel poles. A lot of their, their lines are not insulated, it's just bare wire, so when trees do come on the lines, they start a fire. They know if they were insulated, just had some rubber coating over them, 
So they've got uh, a plan to do 7,000 miles of that uh, over the next few years, where they new poles, new lines. They're going to put 10,000 miles of power line underground over the next decade, they hope, at the cost of 15 to $30 billion to do that. So they're taking some big strides to get things right. But the problem is, of course, they, over the last six years, they've, they've been cited for starting 1,500 fires in California. And hundreds of homes have been, thousands of homes have been lost. Hundreds of people have been killed. Millions of acres lost. And, and so they got a long way to go to, to kind of dig out of that hole. And, and they're, they're working on it. Um, I know, I know there's probably folks listening that don't have a high opinion of PG&E. Maybe they lost their home in the Butte fire, uh, which was a PG&E start. You know, it was a something hit a power line. But I got to say that, uh, in my opinion, they're a company that's, that recognizes a problem. They're spending big money to, to try to fix it, and 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 I hope they succeed because we need the power. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe the timber industry <clears throat> can collaborate because uh, many of these trees that uh, are so dangerous to PG&E uh, that are growing outside of their, uh, uh, their easement uh, uh, could have timber value and maybe it could be collaboration between the timber industry and PG&E to try to locate, to identify and locate those trees and uh, get them down as quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, that really worked well when we, during the bark beetle attacks back in, in uh, 2014 through 16, because we didn't have the huge fire salvage on top of it back then. So we did salvage a lot of the, the bark beetle trees that were going to hit the power lines. They came out, we got them to the mills, and, and it was, we, we got a lot of that salvage just along roadways and power lines. We weren't able to get out in the forest and get much done, but right. PG&E worked real closely with, with the counties getting that, that wood out. Now it's overwhelming. It is absolutely overwhelming. Al, the, the the mills are totally stuffed with wood, and they're just they're just stuffed with wood from their own private land. Sierra Pacific's lost hundreds of thousands of acres in the Caldor Fire and the Dixie Fire, and they're salvaging that. They can't take in anything from PG&E or the Forest Service. It's just once a tree is dead, how long can it remain there? before it's no longer useful? That's a good question. Uh, a, a tree that's keep, killed by bark beetles has a, a um, usually it'll, you've got to get in the first year or two. Trees that are killed in fire, usually they have a little bit longer, two to three years. The, the, the bigger trees can last about three years uh, and still have lumber value. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, pine, pine trees. Yeah, and, pine and fir, uh-huh. Yeah. Particularly pine, yeah, right. Uh, what about redwood? Uh, it seems like redwood uh, trees are kind of uh, grown up to in a fire environment, and they expect to have fires. Well, yeah, generally there's two. There's a coastal redwood, and and they are usually in a non-fire area because there's fog and moisture. But we did have some bad fires in the redwood country a couple of years ago in, in the Santa Cruz Mountains because it was so dry. Yeah, and they took a pretty bad hit um, in, in that area. We also have had some Southern California fires in the Sequoia Redwoods that uh, killed some, some big trees. And that, that got a lot of attention. Oh, uh, yeah. Sometimes the redwood trees get more attention than the, the wildlife and the people and the homes. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Well, we have a very strong environmental movement. 
Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> when you when you combine that <clears throat> with uh, a timber industry that's interested in preserving our forests, we uh, uh, we have some solutions that uh, can come about. You mentioned that uh, some organizations that you uh, are working with that are working on exactly that, working with the uh, uh, environmental groups and also government and the, t and the timber industry mm -hmm. to try to find solutions. Right, yeah. And maybe it's in that area that uh, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Well, it, if, there are, if there are solutions, Alan, you're hitting on it. it. People have to work together and that's, things have gotten so bad, we've lost so many towns, homes, businesses, people's lives. And one thing that I, I, I am waiting to see somebody make a study, we, we talk about spotted owls and things. How many deer, salamanders, toads, snakes, this, all, this, all these creatures that have no way to move away from a fire? We've lost hundreds of millions of animals in, in large parts of the ecosystem. So environmentalists are really starting to recognize that and, and we're, we're starting to work more closely with them to get some very positive things done. Uh, Tuolumne County has a group called Yosemite Stanislaus Solutions that really works toward getting together and finding consensus and, and moving things in the right direction. Uh, one of the uh, important things that most of the fire experts seem to uh, agree on is that the initial response or the first strike is critical in preventing a forest fire. Uh, however, when we have these forest fires, we seem to have examples of failed first strike. In other words, the initial response failed to stop the fire. Yeah. Uh, we also are blessed with these huge airplanes that are capable of dumping a lot of fire retardant. And so the, they're expensive. You know, it seems like if you spend a million dollars and you save a billion, <laughs> It makes sense to go ahead and spend the million dollars. Let that airplane fly over the yeah. <laughs> fly over the area yeah. during the peak periods. Well, you're you're pointing out something that is really getting a lot of attention now. It's going to get a lot over the next couple of years, and that is you call it first strike. I call it initial attack. There's two distinct types of initial attack. One, Cal Fire, who I think everybody knows around here, the red fire trucks. When they get a report of smoke. They have what's called a run card. Their dispatch center will send, in, and when it's in the higher fire danger, they'll send eight trucks, two aircraft, a helicopter, a bulldozer, and they haven't even seen the fire. They have no idea what the fire looks like. They just, boom, they're going. Forest Service is a completely different type of attack. Um, they, they often wait to see what the fire is going to do, and they want to manage the fire. And these managed fires have now gotten unmanageable, and we've lost so many thousands of acres from fires that should have been put out initially, initial attacked, first striked by the Forest Service, and that they haven't done that because their, their philosophy is different. This is nothing against the firefighters. They're all good firefighters, they're, but their management's going to need to change, and it's going to be a big push to get the Forest Service back to a quick initial attack okay. with aircraft. Yeah. yeah. Now if you have this, these jumbo, jumbo tankers, who would be best to uh, to be responsible for that? Would it be private contractors that uh, that are hired uh, to to man these the equipment, or maybe own it, 
or would it be owned by the federal government or should it be owned by the state? Uh, it seemed like it'd be hard for utility companies like uh, PG&E or even, or even uh, the timber industry to be able to own and maintain these big jets. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, it should be logical that uh, that some effort should be made to acquire these uh, jumbo aircraft so we have no more failed first strike or failed first response. Yeah, yeah. And my, my opinion is uh, on who should own it, I think it should be as much as possible private industry own them and maintain them and, and uh, be contracted to the government. And that's generally how it is, although Cal Fire owns those uh, small S2 f planes, and they do a great job with those. They've got trained pilots, they do a super job. Um, in fact, the Coast Guard just got done selling, I think, about 20 C-130 four-engine big planes to CAL FIRE. So they're, they're beefing up with some bigger tankers. Those are, those are big water delivery tankers, and they're going to own those. So nothing wrong with that, but uh, it, it's great to see private enterprise involved in that, too. And, and so there's some of both. I mean, they've got 747s now that drop water. It, yeah. it, it's becoming a big, big deal. And that's what we want to see. These fires, when they start, hit them immediately right. with, with big, heavy aircraft and get them out before they Then there's no more, for, no more forest fire. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah the, the Tamarack fire, I don't, know, I, I, I don't know if the audience knows much about that, but that was the fire that burned, burned on into Nevada, uh, burned up Markleyville. That's, that was one tree smoldering for over a week that didn't get, could, one helicopter drop could have put that out. And, and the Forest Service decided, no, it's okay, we're going to manage that, take a look at it later. And a wind came in, and 70,000 acres later, it was gone. But well, but of course, uh, wind is a, a terrible thing in the fire because the embers go way ahead of the fire, right. starting more fires. Right. But if, if, if we can get the forest thinned out, if those embers go way ahead and hit a thinned out area, they, they don't necessarily take off like they do now. We're, yeah. We really, you know, if we could get our forests, what I always like to tell people, if you, if, you, if you can get them where you could ride a horse through them, that's, a, that's how a forest should look. Oh, okay. That's a good way to visualize. If, you, if you're looking around and go, you know what, yeah, I could, I could ride a horse through that. I couldn't, I don't ride a horse through <laughs> well, but you can imagine it, then, then yeah, that, that's, that's a good model. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I kind of, uh, I remember the the uh, uh, terrible times that we had with the uh, uh, with these fires, and I always thought that uh, there ought to be a better way. And apparently, we're touching on the better way, and it looks like it's starting to unfold. The question is, will there be uh, a large enough budget committed to uh, uh, to the first response or not? Yeah. The the government right now, both state and federal, are throwing, throwing. They're, they're allocating billions of dollars to this, and and that's good. They're, in fact, the federal government just put a fifty billion dollar commitment toward fire fighting efforts over the next ten years. Fifty billion dollars. This is huge. They'll buy a lot of airplanes and they'll hire a lot of people. But what we need to do is put that money not to firefighting, just but to getting the forest thinned out, preventing the fire, right. instead of reacting to 
fighting the fire. And that's where we want to see the emphasis. Okay, $50 billion over 10 years. Okay, that's a, like a half a billion per year. All right. In a given year, how much loss do we have from forest fires? In, in California? In, in billions, yeah. Well, we, as I said, we lost, uh, we, we lost 15 billion feet in the Dixie, all the fires, Caldor, Dixie, and some of the others in the last two years. And I mean, it's, it's a multi-billion dollar loss. How, how many billion? Are we talking 10 billion, 100 billion? It, it, I would venture to say it's in the 10, 10 to 20 billion dollar range, something in that. You know, I really don't know, Al, to tell you the truth. I haven't calculated yeah. that out, but it's huge. I'm just looking at what, what's evolving here. We're, we're anticipating spending a half a billion per year. Well, this will be nationwide, that allocation. Oh, okay. So it's no. not just to California. This is a sure. national. Oh, darn. Yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> I was looking forward to yeah. have no more fires in California. Yeah, California is actually getting about 2.3 billion from the state. They're, they're going to put that much money into the state effort. Uh, the federal governments, they're spreading the money out around the western. Mainly, you know, our fire issues are in the western states, mainly. Yeah. And there's five or six states that are. But it'll be, a, it'll be good. But it's got to, we got to put that kind of money into treating the forest, bringing our industry back, getting jobs back, yeah. making products instead of importing stuff that we should be making ourselves. It's just, to me, it gets so common sense, it gets frustrating, but uh, as we watch things burn up and the bugs eat it, and then we import from other countries, what's wrong with this picture here? I understand there's uh, new products that, uh, that your industry is doing uh, with uh, timber. I understand they, they're making uh, fuel out of it. Yeah, 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 there, there, there's, uh, yeah, I was mentioning there's hydrogen. Hydrogen now runs uh, buses and taxis around there experimenting with it. So hydrogen is a good fuel. We yeah. remember Back to the Future with that, yeah. <laughs> that guy made that hydrogen car or something. But, and now it's real. There, and so you can extract hydrogen out of wood by, it's called gasification. And there are companies that are looking at building facilities to take wood and the, the biomass, not the big timber that we make logs out of, but just yeah. this biomass, maybe brush, and turning that into a fuel. And that would be fantastic. Wow. Yeah. It's, a, it's certainly a solution. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there's also uh, quite a bit of industry in making pellets. Right, right. right. Yeah, there's a, there's a Golden State Natural Resources is planting two huge pellet plants. And I, when I say huge, and, and numbers, to, I know the viewers maybe don't, but I'll, I'll say both plants are going to use 500,000 to a million tons a year of woody biomass to convert that into pellets. That'll thin thousands and thousands of acres of forest every year. That's going to be really exciting mm -hmm. if they actually get them built. And they're, <laughs> they're a couple years away, uh, but um, those plans are out there, and that's really good. You know, yeah. and people are looking ahead. Hey, how can we use these products, or how can we make products out of this excess timber and excess biomass and that's how the that's how these power plants got started 15 20 years ago they said hey we can make electricity by burning wood instead of coal and so we had all those built in california now yeah. this is kind of the next phase hey let's make some pellets and make some hydrogen gas i guess well mike it's been a very informative program really appreciate you you coming and sharing information with us oh i'm glad to and thank you for watching taxpayer alert See you next time.